Toss a coin to your richer. Sleepy all of a sudden. I don't know why you got to sleep in today. <laughs> Need more sleep. That's my secret. Mm, that's fair. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing chapter 35, Kettle's Secrets. The epigraph of this chapter is talking about the witness stones in Buckkeep. Or at least the witness stones surrounding Buckkeep. Uh, nowhere is it mentioned who created them or anything about them really. And there's speculation that they predate Buckkeep Castle itself, which we know they do. Right. And their supposed power seems to have little to do with the worship of Ida or El, but folk believe in it with the same fierce religious fervor. Even those who profess to doubt the existence of any gods at all would still hesitate to give false oath before the witness stones. And if they ever bore inscriptions of any kind, wind and water have erased them. We also had a previous comment, I think a couple chapters ago, that they were less pure than the stones up in the mountains here. So I, I feel like that kind of contributes to the weathering of them as well. Right. And it is really interesting because it then presents the question of why are these less pure? Is it just because they have had to withstand hardier weather conditions? Or the quality of the rock that got dragged down there or what? Yeah. It's just a bad deal for a faraway place and they didn't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and also, I it did make me wonder about the... I guess it's not a witness stone, but the pillar that's in the dungeons of Buckkeep Castle. And if that is in there because there was another witness stone that was taken down to make into the castle or if it was purposely built there. I mean, it predates the castle, so I believe they built around it. They used it as part of their foundation. The people who built Buckkeep. Right. Well, it just feels weird that they would... I don't know if there's just the pillars standing there. They're like, that's a good corner spot. Let's make it our dungeon. <laughs> Why not? I it's already solidly planted. They can't move it with any reason. So might as well use it. I suppose. <laughs> it's interesting that this is the epigraph for this chapter, because I don't really notice any talking points about them at this, in this chapter at all, or any way that this could relate, but it does give us a little bit of backstory and history about them in general, which is nice. I wonder if it's just because we're so close to a skill pillar and we're also like so heavy in skill lore this time that there was nothing else to give that wouldn't give too much away. Yeah, maybe. So it's just like, here's a vaguely skill-related item <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, Hob wanted to fit it in somewhere, and this one mm -hmm. was the best. <laughs> so it picks up in the morning after they had all those conversations, and Verity wakes up and is like a spoiled child, according to Fitz. He's wanting to immediately go to his dragon, start carving again. He doesn't want to eat or drink or anything like that. Fitz convinces him to take a little bit of breakfast, but soon he just kind of wanders away and starts scraping again at his dragon. It seems that 
all of the presence of mind that Verity had last night has kind of fled during the evening. Right. And away with his presence of mind has gone everyone's mood because everyone is feeling a little down today. We have Ketrikin, who has puffy eyes from all the crying she's been doing. And Kettle is super prickly. Saying sour and reserved, according to Fitz. And the wolf is nowhere nowhere around because he's still sleeping off all the meat he ate the day before. (laughs) (laughs) And Starling also is annoyed because it seems like she's mad that this event is is leaving here at this random stone dragon that seemingly has no point. Yeah, the quest kind of ended in disappointment, so yes. she doesn't know how to probably finish a song at the, this point. Or if there even is a song to write. Right. After a while, Starling gets up and decides she's going to go check on the Jeppas and do some washing in the stream the fool had found, and Kettle grumpily agreed to go with her for safety, though her eyes often strayed to Verity's dragon, which I made a note of here because, as we have mentioned before, she is maybe feeling like this is her end and this is how she can help Verity, but as we soon see later on in this chapter, she doesn't want to overstep herself in any way. And even though she really wants it, she, I think, feels that she's not capable of helping because she has been sealed in. Her skill has kind of been burned into her and not usable at this point. But that is a longing that she has had. Right. I was wondering if maybe she was looking at it because she's a little disappointed that Verity forgot the conversation they had. I believe it was last chapter, if not the one before, where... It must have been two then ago where they were at the dragon and she she told him that um, she would have a task for him when he after he had slept and ate. And the task was obviously to help her skill, but he left first thing in the morning. So I was wondering if maybe she was yeah, maybe a little frustrated about that. And that's why her she had such a sour mood and she keeps looking at the dragon. Could be. Eventually, the Fool and Fitz are kind of alone here, and the Fool wants to go to Girl on a Dragon. He kind of got a promise-ish out of Fitz last chapter right? that they would go today, so he bothers Fitz until they get up and go to it. Right. Well, really, what happens is Fool starts walking and knows that Fitz won't let him go alone, so yeah, (laughs) kind of tricking him. The girl on a dragon seemed more quiescent this morning, but perhaps I was merely becoming more accustomed to the trapped wit unrest I sensed there. The fool did not hesitate, but immediately clambered up on the dais beside the statue. I followed more slowly. She looks different to me today, I said quietly. How? I can't say. I studied her bent head, the stone tears frozen on her cheeks. Does she look different to you? And he also notes that the fool's damper seems to be, or fool's banter seems to be dampened when they get there as well. So it's still exuding some sort of depression (laughs) outward, but Fitz does sense a difference here. And that might be because of last night she drew some strength from the comfort that Fitz was giving to Ketrickin. Right. It really made me wonder if 
he somehow accidentally gave something to her or if maybe Ketrickin did. Although I don't know if Ketrickin can because she's not skilled. It's more so like the, the shared experience, more memories. It's he, since he was reaching out with the wit so strongly, I feel like it kind of brushed up on the girl in a dragon's yearning for that experience, that right. feeling. And it, it did say at the end of last chapter that Fitz was feeling a little weakened from that exchange and like the dragon was drawing something. So I feel like it was sated just slightly. Right. No, it is really interesting. And I do wonder if there were extra details or if it's just the feeling that it's giving off that's making Fitz feel like it looks different. Because we know that Fitz kind of doesn't really use his eyes. Um, <laughs> he typically looks through the wit. So... Potentially, it's not anything physical that has changed at all. But this time, Fitz decides to take a closer look and a closer dive into Girl and a Dragon and quests towards her. It felt unlike any questing I had ever done before. There was no beating heart, no rush of breath, nor any other physical sign of life to guide me. There was only my wit sense of life, trapped and desperate. For a moment, it eluded me. Then I brushed against it, and it quested back to me. It sought the feel of wind on skin, the warm pumping of blood. Oh, the sense of the summer day, the sensation of my clothing against my skin, any and all that was part of the experience of living it hungered for. I snatched my hand back, frightened by the intensity of its reaching. Almost, I thought, it might draw me in to join it there. The fool whispers strange because he feels kind of an echo of that through their link. Right. But I thought that was a very in-depth description that we don't get, I think, again, about what these stone dragons are feeling before they're finished. Right. It really begs the question of, um, I think, how ethical it is to do this to a coterie or to yourself, um, in my mind, because... This being that is left over that hasn't finished is so desperate to still be alive and to live that it's reaching out and it can't. It's stuck in perpetual turmoil, which seems like a horrible fate to meet. All because one person in the coterie couldn't couldn't held, hold himself uh, together with the other ones and wanted to keep, keep him or herself apart. I can't remember I would what assume it was. It- I assume they I were female. Salt. Yeah, I would assume with the, the Girl rider. on dragon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although maybe, who knows? Maybe they're are they them. But however, it does it does seem so sad. And it makes me wonder if the other like sleeping dragons, if Fitz would have quested more thoroughly out to them, if they would have had some sort of similar want or need, if part of doing this is part of staying alive in some way. And I guess I wonder that because mostly when we see the people who make dragons moving forward, we get the perspective of Fitz, who is dying anyway, and he has to stay alive. And the only way to stay alive is through the stone. And Verity, who wants to stay alive to help his people, and this is the only way. And so I wonder if once you shed your human form, there is a yearning back for that type of life maybe i feel like i don't know i feel like this might be a special case 
or maybe not special, but a a very rare case of Girl on a Dragon not being completed fully and not being able to fully lift up and live, quote unquote, as right. a statue. And the other ones, to me at least, felt more like they were just sleeping. Like maybe they yearn for it, but I think it's more inadvertent because, I mean, that's the whole point of the war, right? It was when wisdom kind of flew over and destroyed their people by flying stone (laughs) dragons over and made them forget a bunch of stuff. And they kind of harbored that hate in them for a long time. And it happens again here when Verity flies over a bunch of them. They're kind of, their people and their warriors just lose who they are because they're flying over them. Right. Kind of forging people as they do it. Right. I I feel like that's more inadvertent and when they settle down and and hibernate, they're not yearning as much because we don't get that feeling. I know Fitz didn't quest as deeply with the sleeping ones as he does with Girl and a Dragon, but she seems more awake. That's fair. Like constantly. And maybe if they're awake, they feel more like that. Well, yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking about too is like, when they're awake, maybe they realize they're no longer alive. They're still just stone. Even if they're all of the memories of a person, they're not alive. They can't feel anything I wouldn't think. I mean, maybe they can feel the wind or the change of temperature on the stone, but they are just stone. And so I wonder if the cost of doing this to yourself and with your group, if you have a group, (laughs) is that you lose what it is to be human like those sensations you know that made you in the first place and i feel like there'd always be a longing probably but i like for this one i feel like the girl in a dragon is a longing because she needs more of those memories to be free right or that's like that's the process and the other ones are like we want to feel those memories because it's been a long time Right. And not like a will suck you in to to get all those because they are complete. They have multiple lives and experiences of people, you know, with those feelings. Right. But I was just thinking, so whenever a skill stone dragon flies over a person, it takes their memory. It takes something from them. So maybe they don't have to feel that way because they're getting so much as they fly around from living beings, which also goes back to the fact that. Potentially because they were touching it, even Ketrikin gave something to the dragon with or without knowing. Because I don't think, I guess it wouldn't work to forge people if you have to be skilled <laughs> for it to work. Right. So even just touching the stone is dangerous for everyone. Yeah, maybe. So maybe that's why she looks different too. More vibrant from all the things she took from people without them knowing. Yeah, possible. Fitz is again saying like we shouldn't do this we shouldn't do anything we shouldn't mess with girl on a dragon at all and the fool is being like no it's fine and he touches his fingers to girl on a dragon the skilled ones just one finger just one finger yes a skill scream of pain and outrage filled the quarry the fool was flung backward off the pedestal to land hard on his knees on the rock below He sprawled there, senseless. My knees buckled under me and I fell beside the dragon. From the torrent of wit anger I felt, I expected the creature to trample me underfoot like a maddened horse. 
Instinctively, I curled up, my arms sheltering my head. It was done in an instant, and Night Eyes comes running over, saying, like, who's attacking us? What was that? And I, I kind of want to talk about that because the description is a skill scream, and then it's wit anger. And we know that the wit and the skill are both needed to call up the sleeping dragons. Yes. To awaken them. And blood as well. I think it's blood and wit, technically. Mm-hmm. Potentially wit person blood. Potentially. <laughs> like old blood. <laughs> yes. But I think it was one person, uh, the first one that got woken up was speared. And it was somebody that Fitz was fighting. Oh, I don't fully remember the details of that. So I think that's how he figures it out. It's like he speared through one of the horns or something and has blood on there. This doesn't make the dragons feel less threatening. They're <laughs> they not supposed blo- to be less I guess, threatening. But like, <laughs> uh, feels like dark magic, not light magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this world, there's only magic. I suppose. All the magic has a dark side to it. <laughs> Right. But it is a good reminder that the wit is intertwined with this. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is kind of easy to breeze over. Because if you're not looking for it, you just would not think much. Yeah, but it's it's a perfect combination and a hint to Fitz or the readers that Fitz is the one who can awaken them. Because it has both of those in that description. And Fitz is the only one with both of those in this troop at the moment. So I kind of wanted to point that out, how the skilled finger touches the stone statue of Girl and a Dragon. And there is a skill scream that obviously hurts the statue. Right. And then a wit outrage. And it feels like that that pain, that anger. And it it's almost like it's almost like a repulsion coming from it. Because the fool is like blasted away. That could be the skill, I guess, but we don't see such physical things coming from the skill. Usually Fitz is driven down by that. The fool is like thrown off the dais. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It is really interesting, especially because it is specified as wit anger. I don't know, but I guess maybe it's because you have to put emotions in too. And Emotions are part of being human. Oh, not yeah. Just... 100%. Yeah, I think this is the the wit anger is more so from the actual being that is trapped in there, being right. angry that it was, like, harmed that way. Right. But it's, uh, yeah. Which also super fair. <laughs> right. You're just literally minding your own business because, I guess maybe not literally minding, because they are questing towards the people around them. But you're minding your own business. You've been stuck in this cave for whoever many However many years, who knows how long. And open to the sun, the wind and the rain and no one around you. And then the people who do come by, you just walk past you to do their own dragon stuff. And they were nice the night before. And now all of a sudden they're hurting you. That would be (laughs) that would be really angering. (laughs) Fitz is on the ground saying, like, why did I let you do it? Like, I knew it was a bad idea. And Kettle rumbles up here and says because you're a bigger fool than he is and i am the biggest of all to have left you alone and trusted you to act with sense what did he do kettle was still puffing from her hurry he touched the girl and the dragon with the skill on his finger i glanced up at the statue as i spoke to my horror there was a bright silver fingerprint on the girl's upper arm 
outlined in scarlet against her bronze-toned flesh. That description makes me so sad because... Looks like it was like a burn or something. Yeah, that means that it hurts her. And like, even though this is stone, and I just got done saying how they can't feel... still a being. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel really bad that this hurts so bad. But then I also have questions like... Um, Verity has silvered hands and he's touching his dragon everywhere. Why aren't there silver streaks all over it? And maybe, maybe there are, maybe that's what makes the stone have silver streaks in it, but probably not. Cause I think it's, al- it's already still yeah. stone. Yeah. I don't know. It just, I have questions. <laughs> all, it, all that fingerprint does is give me more questions. Kettle gets super angry because she sees that as well, spins on Fitz and says, Is it not enough that she is trapped there in misery forever, alone and cut off from all she once loved? You two must come to give her pain on top of all of that. How could you be so vicious? Ignorance is always the excuse used by the cruelly curious, she snarls after Fitz tries to say we mean no harm we did not know. Right. Which would be fair, if it weren't for the fact that she's keeping them in ignorance, which is Fitz's rebuttal. Yeah, I, I do want to point out that her saying that about Girl and the Dragon is mirroring her own experience right now. Is it not enough that she is trapped there in misery forever, alone and cut off from all she once loved? That is literally what Kettle's punishment was. Right. So I, I'm sure with the sadness in her uh, voice from last chapter saying that, yeah, you know, we're all alone and all these kinds of things. It's kind of reflecting her own situation. She really, really commiserates with Girl on a Dragon here because she is sealed inside herself, cut off from the six duchies, cut off from her coterie, from the skill, from her sister that she killed, like everyone. Right. We also know because of later in this chapter that Kettle 100% knows what these dragons are and how to make them, I guess. And so she knows exactly what's going on, whereas Fitz and the Fool, not even a little bit, understand. And so this anger from her makes sense because she knows, like, what they did is super mean on top of the torment that this person or this being is probably now feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Fitz's anger as... Emma mentioned before rises to match kettles here and says, don't rebuke me with my ignorance woman. When all you have done is refuse to lift it for me. You hint and warn and give us ominous words, but you refuse to speak anything that might help us. And when we make mistakes, you rail at us saying we should have known better. How, how can we know better when the one who does refuses to share her knowledge with us? I don't know anything, I said out loud bitterly. I'm blundering in the dark, hurting everyone I care about in the process. So, first of all, I want to say kudos to Fitz for finally saying the thing. Yeah. Um, and letting Kettle have it. I mean, I'm all about respecting your elders, but also, like, everybody's human. And yeah. you need to be able to tell old people or not. Like, you need to be able to tell authority figures when they're doing something wrong. And so I'm glad that he's sticking up for himself and fool and also letting her know that what she's doing is just as bad as what they did Mm -hmm. but kettle so we we finally get kettle's reasoning for this right and it's because 
Fitz is the catalyst and she doesn't want to mess anything up. That Fitz has to make all of his own decisions in this. Because what if she, you know, alters something like that? Right. This makes me, first of all, super angry. And second of all, so confused. <laughs> Which maybe is where the anger stems from. But why does it matter if she helps Fitz? Yes, the catalyst needs to make their own choices from the person who can see the future. Not Kettle. Kettle isn't a prophet. She does not have to worry about her effect. I don't know where she yeah. gets this idea that literally no one can help the catalyst at all. Yeah, same thought here. She has the same attitude towards it as the fool does in certain scenes. But yeah. the fool takes more of an active role because he's also blind, blindly going forward in right. these decisions. She seems to think that she has so much faith in her religion in this view that she thinks her importance, maybe maybe not consciously, but she thinks her importance is on the level of the prophet, like you said. Right. And that she, by acting, will push it one way or the other. Because that's what people do. Like, that's the point. But, like, yeah. just give, like, Fitz I, is the one who's the catalyst. He's the one who's going to change things according to your religion. So give him the tools to make his own decisions. Right. He can't do anything if you don't if you don't tell him what he's doing or I don't know. It just I don't know how to verbalize what I'm feeling because it makes me so mad. <laughs> but it just is such a weird response and weird excuse to give after she just railed on the boys for having an excuse of being ignorant. Well, you don't have the excuse then to use that, like, well, I think I'm more important than I am, so I don't want to change the future. Like, everything you're doing is changing the future, no matter what. Which she should know, because she studies the whites, that, every, like, according to the fool, every person affects every path. Yeah. Which I feel like must be a regular teaching of the whites. It must be in their literature I don't think that's a one-off feeling from just the fool. I think anybody who can see the future and all the paths would know that. So therefore, why does she think that her path that she's making like can't touch Fitz's enough to do anything for him? I don't know. It just you're changing the future anyway. If you really truly believe that uh, believe that in any capacity, then you shouldn't have come at all. Mhm. I don't know. It just and Get it together. <laughs> Fitz makes a remark or a rebuttal against this. And to him, it's a shameful response. But it really cuts down, I think, to the truth of what Kettle was feeling and why she uses that as an excuse and why it makes no sense. And why we have such anger at that response that Kettle gave. Because it's not the actual truth of what she feels. Right. He says, maybe that is why you were here. Maybe you were called here with a part to play, which is what we were talking about. Maybe it is lifting our ignorance so we can fulfill this bedamned prophecy of yours. And maybe keeping your silence is how you will thwart it. But, and I halted, halted to fling the word savagely, savagely over my shoulder. This is the part where um, I think is actual truth that he is throwing at her. But it is very harsh truth and very harsh words. He says, I think you keep silent for reasons of your own, because you are ashamed. I turned away from the stricken look on her face. I covered my shame to have spoken to her with so, uh, her so with my anger. 
It gave me new strength of purpose. I was suddenly determined that I was going to start making everybody behave as they should. It was the sort of childish resolution that often got me into trouble. But once my heart had seized hold of it, my anger gripped it tight. And I think that, that you are ashamed, Kettle, and that's why you keep silent. It's not all of these excuses that you give. I think that is the actual reason why she is not saying anything. Right. Because to admit that she knows what's going on, instead of just warning you, hey, don't do that, to admit that she knows that, to dig down into the truth, to relay the information of everything that's going on, she has to confront her past. And that is like the big part of this chapter. Mm-hmm. So from a reader's perspective, yes, what she says is so frustrating because she's putting herself above everything, but there is that underlying reason of that is also a front. That is also a cover for what she's truly feeling. Right. She's just using her religion as a shield of like, I can't interfere. Right. Oh, poor me. You have to make the decisions. And Fitz kind of cuts to the heart of it and be like, no, you're just ashamed of yourself. Right. Well, because he does know that she murdered somebody. So I'm sure he realizes that there's more to that story and knows that, like, probably that has something to do with this. I don't know. It It is really frustrating. And there is that sympathy. I think that's what makes Robin Hobb such a good writer is that there's so many layers to this that you can't just be mad at Kettle. There's also, you have to acknowledge where she's coming from and what she's been through to make her the way that she is. Mm -hmm. And that makes her sympathetic, which I think is like real life, right? Like people don't just act certain ways for no reason. There's usually like buildup of trauma or, Mm -hmm. or just like life events, world events, something affects everything that we do all the time. And so it feels more realistic when you have this character who, even when you're mad at them, is sympathetic. They're like, I get the fear that she's having. She spent, as we find out, over 200 years living with this guilt and shame. It would be really hard to get out of that, Mm -hmm. to decide, okay, you know what? I know this is for the greater good. I'm just going to do it because you've been living, feeling so bad for so long like how do you, how do you even begin to tackle not feeling bad anymore? Right. To get over get over yourself, quite frankly, to help. And I don't know. I'm glad that Fitz said something to her because I think it is important not to let her pretend like this is about something grander than simple shame. But shame is a big blocker for mm-hmm. I think almost everyone. So yeah. fits the catalyst, catalyzed kettle yeah. <laughs> to then speak up later. Right. Like that that comment there makes her realize that and speak up to Verity later on in this chapter. Yeah. And it's also really interesting because we get angry fits, which we don't get a ton of, but it feels like angry fits is the only time fits has any initiative. <laughs> It's the only time he decides that, like, I'm actually going to try 100% and I'm going to, like, get the outcomes, go to the outcomes that I want until I get there. Whereas it's not that he hasn't ever tried at 100% capacity outside of being angry, but I feel like his anger fuels him to try to do better. Whereas at other points when he's just trying to do his best, whenever he fails, he's more likely to just be like, well, I tried. Whereas when he's mad, he's like, not good enough. We're going to keep going. <laughs> and I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing that I have noticed about him. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, he's angry now and he grips that notion of I'm going to make everybody do what they ought to now. <laughs> he, he carries the fool over to the tent, makes sure the fool is awake and okay. Fool says like, I will be okay. I'll never forget that experience, but I can't talk about it right now. Right. Also, it should be no- noted that um, the fool has sustained a head injury. He is bleeding from the back of his head, which Fitz takes care of. Yeah, it's and, not a large cut, he says. No, but it is swollen and bleeding. <laughs> the head wounds bleed the most. But fool makes a comment that he's not ready to talk. Yeah. And that just dives into Fitz's anger even more. Yep, it triggers him to say, no one in this whole company can talk about anything, I declared furiously, except me, and I intend to talk about everything. (laughs) Which is... Marches right up to the dragon. Which is pretty funny, considering Fitz doesn't ever talk about anything either. (laughs) He's not... This company isn't alone in keeping secrets. (laughs) He made a new resolution right here. He's going to talk about everything. (laughs) (laughs) He marches right up to Verity's dragon, to Verity, who's carving there, halts for a moment before he gets all the way up there, gets his breathing under control, slicks back his hair into a warrior's tail, brushes off his leggings, tugs his his shirt uh, straight, makes sure he's somewhat presentable as presentable can be, and has a formal bow and introduction. My lord, King Verity... My lady, Queen Ketrikin, I have come to conclude my reporting to the king, if you would allow it. I would also like to say that he did only take three steps from when he was straightening himself up to go in front of them. And Ketrikin is watching him the whole time, so I'm sure that was a little bit Uh, She wasn't, actually. He says, neither paid me the slightest bit of attention. Ketrikin is watching Verity the whole time, like hollow-eyed. But... I, the image of Fitz being like right in front of them and then being like, and you know, like <laughs> calming himself, doing the hand motions of like breathing and then straightening up and then taking a few steps forward to be like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know. Something about that gives me the giggles. I had on- honestly expected both of them to ignore me, but King Verity's sword scraped twice more, then ceased. He looked at me over his shoulder. Continue, Fitz Chivalry. I shall not cease my work, but I shall listen. There was grave courtesy in his voice. It heartened me. Ketrikin suddenly sat up straighter. She brushed the straggling hair back from her eyes, then nodded her permission at me. I drew a deep breath and began, reporting as I had been taught, everything that I had seen or done since my visit to the ruined city. Sometime during that long telling, the scraping of the sword slowed, then ceased. Verity moved ponderously to take a seat beside Ketrikin. Almost he started to take her hand in his, then stopped himself and folded his own hands before him. But Ketrikin saw that small gesture and moved a trifle closer to him. They sat side by side, my threadbare monarchs, throned on cold rock, a stone dragon at their backs, and listened to me. thought that was a, a beautiful passage at the end there. But all of the rest of them slowly, slowly gather around, listen to Fitz, report. Time passes. They gather food and drinks and picnic around him as well. While he continues his story. Right. I think this is really interesting because. Well, I guess I was going to say because everybody's heard the story already besides Verity, but only Ketrickin has heard this. And. Maybe the fool Starling did, 
but I don't think Kettle was there. He also says that he holds to his resolution, though, and doesn't hold anything back, particularly about the wit, his fears, his thoughts about those things. And I feel like that means in previous tellings of this, he did hold back some things about those. Right. He was trying to be factual Mm -hmm. and to the point, whereas this is more like story time. And he hasn't reported about everything like in here he specifically mentions he reports that he killed regal's guards without even talking to them and then says like the name that he recognized things Uh like that so i feel like traveling in the company before that they knew what happened he didn't have to report on that part right but the the ruined city itself yes he did talk to ketrickin about that and everything so probably some repeat information but a lot of it probably knew Probably also easier to hear because he's not angry <laughs> like the first time he reported to Ketrigan. Right. And Starling and the Fool. And Chade was there too, but he's not here now. So he does hold everything, uh, hold to his resolution for everything and says, Nor did I skirt about my wit experiences as I once would have. I spoke as bluntly as if it were only Verity and me, telling him of my fears for Molly and my child, including my fear that if Regal did not find and kill them, Chade would take the child for the throne. And that that right there is a specific call out because in the future, Verity makes sure he has plans for an heir, so Nettle does not have to assume the throne, which is, in Verity's mind, a favor he's doing to, to, to Fitz there. Right. That is the whole, you know, body swap situation. <laughs> right. And that probably wouldn't have happened if Fitz does not go into detail here. I also think it's interesting that he specifically says that he's holding nothing back as though it's just he and Verity, which I think speaks a lot to their relationship that they have. 100%, yes. That if he's reporting to anyone else, he's giving them just the fact. And whenever it's to Verity, he's also putting in his feelings. And I know that like before this, he would not have talked about the wit. He would have kept that out. But the fact that he just openly speaks his opinion and it, it feels like more of a uncle and nephew relationship, even though it's still like definitely not normal and like a weird power at play. But I think it feels more natural and famil- familial. And I'm glad that they get to have this, <laughs> even if, you know, it's not the best story to tell. Right. So he finishes recounting everything. And all the while he was telling that story, he was reaching out to Verity with the wit and the skill in any way he could. And while Fitz is sure that Verity could feel that, he gets no response from him. So after he is done, everyone is kind of silent. And Fitz is hoping hoping that Verity would question him because he knows that the old Verity would take him through the whole story again, asking questions about each point, asking for more specific details. But... Verity is silent and he starts to rise. Fitz begs, my king. And he asks, what is it, boy? Have you nothing to ask me? Nothing to tell me? He looked at me, but I was not sure he was really seeing me. He cleared his throat. I killed Carrot with the skill. That is true. 
I have not felt the others since then, but I do not believe they are dead, but only that I have lost the skill to sense them. You must be careful. I gaped at him. And that is all? I must be careful? His words had chilled me to the bone. No, there is worse. He glanced at the fool. I fear that when you speak to the fool, he listens with Regal's ears. I fear it was Regal who came to you that day, speaking with the fool's tongue, to ask you where Molly was. I turned to look at the fool. He looked stricken. I do not recall. I never said. He took a half-breath and then suddenly toppled to one side in a faint. Verity nods. I suspect they have abandoned him then. Perhaps. Do not trust that is true. And Fitz says he feels that. He, he felt as they fled the fool. Felt it like a silk thread abruptly parting. They had not had a stronghold on him, but it had been enough. Enough to make me reveal all they needed to kill my wife and child. Enough to ransack his dreams each night since then, stealing whatever was of use to them. He goes over to the fool, and Fitz takes his hand. And the fool wakes up and says, And the one who loves him best shall betray him most foully. My own prophecy. I have known that since my eleventh year. Chade, I had told myself, when he was willing to take your child. Chade was your betrayer. He shook his head sadly. But it was me. It was me. He got slowly to his feet. I'm sorry. So sorry. I saw the start of tears on his face. Then he turned and walked slowly away from us. I could not bring myself to go after him, but Nadai's rose soundlessly and trailed at his heels. What a sad, sad <laughs> message to get. Right. Also, a little wild that Verity just had to listen to the story once and knew. Like, yeah, that probably wasn't wasn't the fool. Doesn't mm. sound like him to me. He doesn't even know the fool. And he knew. And like, it's just, I don't know. It's weird. It almost feels like he doesn't, he still doesn't quite grasp it. Because I don't feel like there's ever like a heartbreak moment for Fitz. Like, I gave up. Because he doesn't see it as the same as the fool does. I guess that's true. He was used by the coterie. The fool sees it as... This was my full-on betrayal. It was my fault. Fitz never does see so, it that way. So then do you think maybe Chade was the betrayer? No, I think this is what... I mean, we're the... In fool's own words, we're the two old men years after this was... Right. <laughs> this happened, discussing what was the most fitting for this prophecy. I, I think it is the fool here. Because he was the vessel for the betrayal. And that was still the biggest betrayal out of all of them. But you could argue for other things, I suppose. I guess I just feel like it said something about. Oh, here it is. Hold on. I guess it just says by his love, he is betrayed and his love betrayed also. So the heart of the catalyst is bared to a trusted one. All confidence is given. All confidence betrayed. Child of the Catalyst is given into his enemies. I guess, yeah, that one definitely. It's straight up the fool. Yeah. It just feels like with the word betrayal, Fitz should also feel betrayed if it's right. But I suppose he knows that there's nothing you can do when the skill has you. So 
he's probably literally the best person to have had that betrayal happen to because he thoroughly understands like it wasn't his little, fault and yeah, yeah the how logistics little and... autonomy the fool had in that mm-hmm. the fool walks away night eyes follows and verity is turning his attention again to fitz he speaks kind of quietly here and says i will try to finish my dragon it is really all i can do i only hope it will be enough and fitz with his despair making him bold he says my king, will you not do this for me? Will you not skill a warning to Beric and Molly that they may flee Capelin Beach before they are found? Oh, my boy, he said pityingly. He took a step forward toward me. Even if I dared to, I fear I have not the strength anymore. He looked at all of them, and his eyes lingered on Kedrickin the longest. It all fails me. My body, my mind, and my skill. I am so tired. And there is so little left of me. When I killed Carid, my skill fled me. My work has been greatly slowed since then. Even the raw power on my hands weakens, and the pillar is closed to me. I cannot pass through it to renew the magic. I fear I have made I may have defeated myself. I fear I will not be able to complete my task. In the end, I may fail you all, all of you and the entire six duchies. Ketrickin bows her head and lifts it then with a renewal of, I guess, resolution, deter- determination, and offers her herself, her help for this dragon. I will, you know, do what you ask of me. I will all direct me and I'll help you carve. And Verity can just shake his head and say, would that you could, but I must do it myself. It all must be done by me. Which is, again, something that... The fool relayed to Fitz after he had learned everything from Verity. Right. And so if you're reading through this the first time, you might pick up on the hints that Ke- that Kettle is saying, that the hints that she's dropping about wisdom in his coterie, things like that, and her gasping at Verity doing it all by himself. But this is Verity's truth. What he knows to be true is that he has to complete this dragon and it's by himself. Which I don't understand. I don't know where he got that idea. I guess maybe it's... It's everything that he knows. Or maybe he thinks that because he's put so much of himself into the dragon that he doesn't have the wherewithal to remember that the reason he has to do it alone is because he was there alone. Yeah, maybe. Not because he doesn't actually have to build the dragon alone. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I like that more than him assuming he... Because otherwise, why would he call Fitz to him? Right, yeah. So maybe at one point he realized... Like he I'll could get help, help right. but like so many days of I have to do this, I have to do this turned into some weird idea of like, it can only be me. Kettle surges to her feet with a glare at Fitz, <laughs> an angry glare because his earlier comment made her confront Verity like this. And she says, my lord, King Verity, my king, you are mistaken. Few dragons were created by a single person, at least not the six duchies' dragons. Whatever the others, the true elderlings, could do on their own, which we'll talk about later, her saying true elderlings, right. I do not know. But I know that those dragons that were made by the six duchies' hands were often made by an entire coterie working together, not a single person. Verity stared at her mutely, then 
What are you saying? He demanded in a shaking voice. I am saying what I know, regardless of how others may come to think of me. She gave one glance around at us as if bidding us farewell. Then she put her back to us and addressed only the king. My lord king, I name myself Kestrel of Buck, once of Stanchion's coterie. But by my skill did I slay a member of my own coterie for jealousy over a man. To do so was high treason, for we were the queen's own strength, and I destroyed that. For this I was punished as the queen's justice saw fit. My skill was burned out of me, leaving me as you see me, sealed into myself, unable to reach beyond the walls of my own body, unable to receive the touch of those I had held dear. That was done by my own coterie. For the murder itself, the queen banished me from the six duchies for all time. She sent me away so that no skilled one would be tempted to take pity on me and try to free me. She said she could imagine no worse punishment that one day in my isolation I would long for death. Kettle sank slowly to her old knees on the hard stone. My king, my queen, she was right. I ask your mercy now, either put me to death or, very slowly she lifted her head, or use your strength to reopen me to the skill and I will serve you as coterie in the carving of this dragon. So quick, uh, quick going back to what I stopped on previously, where she says the true elderlings. No one else picks up on this. And I think throughout the end of this book, the elderlings to them are still the stone dragons. Right. But Kettle knows something of the true elderlings, Mm -hmm. at least as much to know that the dragons are not the elderlings. And there was some other beings or species or race or something out there that were referred to as elderlings. Right. I think it's really interesting to think about how, why the elderlings would have made these. I, I think that there's something in the Rainwild final, Chronicles. Yeah. Like the second of the Rainwild. You, you They're keep all call- Rainwilds. <laughs> it's all about the Rainwilds. <laughs> Yeah, but one of them is Live Ship Traders, and the other one's Rainwild Chronicles. Okay, well, the Rainwild Chronicles. Because <laughs> <laughs> Live Ship Traders deals mostly with the water and pirates and things like that. It's half about the Rainwilds because of rain in Malta. That is a oh, viewpoint that throughout I, all of the books. I know. I think you'll find that there's less of that than you think in those books. There is a bunch of it. But I think it's less than you're thinking. I don't know. I Malta doesn't get to the Rainwells until like maybe partway through the second book, I think. Right. But there's also like talk about it and talk about how they don't travel there anymore because it brought the plague to the family. And right. Like, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that was my own thing. The Rainwell yeah. Chronicles, I think when they get to Kelsingra and. Oh, Tymara. Yes. Tymara is in the memories of the person who worked with the skill Mm -hmm. i think there's some sort of memory there or maybe it's just some other random place in the series but there's like some sort of talk about how the skill dragons were made the elderlings made the skill dragons as like a tribute to dragons or something yeah i i think so too it was like fancy art it was basically art but it was also a i think a celebration of the dragon's life and in 
like an imitation of them because that's why they put their whole memories and and everything into them because it's kind of a mockery of dragons. Right. I don't know. But I I feel like, so I always, I remember that too, I I guess. I I always wonder why they would have done it, but I guess that's why it's it's more, it's more art, less protection. (laughs) Although I would assume that some of the dragons in the stone garden our elderling make and they all wake up and help verity so I'm- i the the whole thing about that though is i believe fitz is able to reach king wisdom's dragon more so than the other ones because of that connection to the six duchies right and tells wisdom as a dragon to follow verity as a dragon and like have them lead and the other ones follow like a in like a pack. I think it's kind of like more so talked about as animals kind of. Then how did wisdom get it to work? Cause he also had the whole group with him. They were younger then. <laughs> <laughs> wisdom is obviously older than probably 250 years ago. Cause that was a different <laughs> True. queen, you know? Yeah. It was probably closer to the time of the elderlings carving and they might've been more cognizant still and not so you know fallen into we're we're one thing we're a dragon now this that whole thing just makes me think of there's like a scary movie on or scary show on netflix it's the hill house people and all the ghosts in there as they age like the longer the ghosts are alive the more they forget who they are because Mm -hmm. it's further and further from when they died and so they like become these faceless things. And so yeah, that's I, the imagery I get. That's yeah, that's, I mean, a relevant <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> I know, but it just feels weird to bring in, like, I guess I bring in Barbie movies. Right. So I don't yeah. Know like, I don't know why line. you drew like, the line at scary, a Netflix show. Scary Netflix series. Um, I think that is a fairly common trope or uh, maybe not trope, but a very common explanation for certain things in science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. Just like the so. further away you get from a when you were supposed to be mm-hmm. you forget who you are who you are supposed to be uh-huh. or the longer you're alive the more you change kind of thing or it's kind of whatever yeah i don't know so i guess maybe you're right maybe it's because they were younger <laughs> back when they were spry so she announces to everybody and specifically to verity and ketrickin that she was formerly of a coterie and she is here to help and asks Verity to open her up to the skill again to be right. able to be a coterie for Verity. Right. Verity is stuck on the previous mention that she served Stanchion's or she was in Stanchion's coterie. And he's like, when was that? I don't know. I've never heard of that. And Kettle says, well, you wouldn't have because I destroyed it and goes more into her shame of there were five of us and my act left only three alive and able to skill. So they got released. They were greatly weakened and they, they weren't able to function anymore. So they were released. And I suspect that they went to uh, Jean Pay town to start that road because we'd always talked about doing a dragon and I don't think they ever made it. Do you think she means only three were left? Like, including herself, there's that's one less. Yes, uh, my act left only three alive to the skill. Okay. So it's one dead and one burned out of the skill. Right. And there were only 
you know, Stanchion and the two other Coterie members. Can you really call it burned out of the scale if it's just like basically putting a door over it? You know what I mean? I feel like her continuously calling it burned out feels weird because burned out to me alludes to there not being any skill there anymore. Um, it's I don't know the way that she refers to it is more of like a cauterizing over like walls or something I don't know because she always refers it to like the burning of myself and things like that yeah it was just a thought I had as I was reading it I guess we don't have (laughs) we don't have you know (laughs) point point of view knowledge of that happening so it could be more like a burning (laughs) maybe that's what it's officially called yeah When Verity spoke, he did not seem to be replying to her words. Neither my father nor either of his wives had coteries sworn to them, nor my grandmother, his brow wrinkled. Which queen did you serve, woman? Queen Diligence, my king. Queen Diligence reigned over 200 years ago. She died 223 years ago, Starling interposed. Thank you, minstrel, Verity said dryly. 223 years ago, and you would have me believe you were coterie to her. Kettle explains that I was, and I turned the skill upon myself, which wasn't, a, you know, deemed a very good thing to do, but most skill users did that in some sense or another. And I, and she takes pride in what she did to herself, because even to this day, she heals very quickly, and she stayed, she stayed relatively young for this long and alive for this right. long. And illness passes her by. She doesn't really get plagues or sick. Mm-hmm. She's just healthy i mean her outward appearance has aged but right inward she could not keep a note of pride from her voice i think this is interesting because this makes me wonder if fitz would have lived over 200 years if he would have still kept going and not have had the whole ending of the series i don't think over 200 years because i think the healing went too far that's fair. Yeah, this is a skilled skill user. Yeah, and extremely specific, strong. Yeah, doing it to herself in a very specific way. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, it's a little bit different. But I was just wondering, I'm like... And, and she says, it It took me over a year to master my body. Yeah. But what I had done, I had done well. And that was one skill healing over like two hours, maybe. True. <laughs> so I, I feel like, yes, he would have lived longer, but I think the energy, if he kept getting injured, the energy... It, it would take to heal him would have killed him eventually fair yeah very um wolverine ending <laughs> <laughs> anybody hasn't seen logan yet it's a very good movie <laughs> verity is remarking upon all the knowledge that must have been lost in Celestis' books that chivalry and he were never made privy to and kettle is speaking with confidence now that she is out a little bit more with this knowledge and says, oh yeah, there's a great deal that you guys don't have. And it amazes me that with as little training as you and Fit Chivalry have, you have managed to come this far alone. And to carve a dragon alone, it is a feat for a song. I do wonder though, does Kettle think that Verity has the same level of knowledge as Fitz? Because he doesn't, but I don't know if she knows that. I think she can deduce that because Fitz is like clearly clueless and Verity walked on the road alone. Fair. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> he's going to have something <laughs> like like Fitz is saying like, oh, yeah, Verity is far beyond me and knows more stuff. So I think she can believe Fitz in that because like Fitz doesn't know anything. The king must have a little bit more knowledge. Right. 
<laughs> so Verity says, you know, come over here, tell me some things. But while we're talking, I'm going to be working. And Kettle says, then I shall say to you only what needs to be most said. I was powerful in the skill, strong enough to kill with it, as few are. Her voice halted, thickening. She took a breath and resumed. That power is still within me. One strongly skilled enough could open me to it again. I believe you have that strength, though right now you may not be able to master it. You have killed with the skill, and that is a heinous thing. Even though the coterie member that was not true to you, still, you had worked together. In killing him, you had killed a part of yourself, and that is why you feel you have no skill left to you. Had I my skill, I could help you heal yourself. Verity gave a small laugh. I have no skill, and you have no skill, but if we did, we could heal one another. Woman, this is like a tangle of rope with no ends. How is the knot to be undone, save with the sword? We have a sword, my king. Fit chivalry. The catalyst. So, I do want to say, this implies that Kettle was healed by one of her coterie members from the hurt that she was uh, wit took herself from killing her sister. Or she knows the knowledge of doing so. Not necessarily that she was healed, because Fitz does need to do something of that. Right. I don't know. Interesting. Because I feel like... So, there's a description later that the fool gives Fitz. That Kettle goes up to Verity and does something to him. And then he does something to her, and they're both, like, laughing and crying. And I think that's the healing of... Uh, when you kill someone mm. that you have linked okay. with. So I think like she does it to him to heal him of that and like release him of that guilt. And he notices that like knows what she does then and then does it back to her. And that releases her guilt more so. Right. And what Fitz does is release the walls that she had built around herself and a little bit of what her coterie had done to allow her access to the skill again. Right. I don't know. It just seems weird that that then means that in the skill scroll somewhere it tells you how to heal after murdering someone with the skill which means that people were just murdering people with the skill willy-nilly or at least had at one point and they documented how to fix it yeah but why would they be documenting how to fix it if they weren't then planning to use knowledge. it a lot i don't i know i know and it's good that they did because like it helps but also i mean the they wild also, things i'm thinking here they also documented you know how to raise a coterie in wartime which is what galen did but is like the worst possible way and they say like don't ever do this like th it's it's knowledge for knowledge's sake you know i suppose that makes sense get a whole foundation and you can know like what to teach and yeah, what not to and it feels very chade like then <laughs> just gathering the knowledge because you need it maybe later maybe it'll help somebody else i guess that makes sense that makes sense but that also gives us a clue into how strong kettle is or was right she is at least somewhat similar to verity in strength and she does mention that that was strong even for back in the day she was one of the few that had enough power to kill with the skill and verity in his depleted state was able to do that. Right. So I think Verity, I know we've talked about like skill, strength. I think mm -hmm. Verity is still technically stronger than Kettle ever was. I don't know though, because 
I think the skill keeps getting stronger as you use it. The weakness would just come from tiredness, and I don't know. I don't know if he's tired enough to say that he was less weak than when he killed. You know what I mean? I guess he's starving when they find him, but I don't know. I don't know. Kettle makes the comment that Fitz is a catalyst, and Verity has a very interesting reaction. He says, ah, that old legend. My father was fond of it. I think that's very interesting because that means, which I guess we know from later books, this is confirmed, that Shrewd knew Fitz was a catalyst and maybe that's why he kept him alive. Maybe he really did believe. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't remember anything from the other books talking about Shrewd knowing he was a catalyst. The so, final series. Yeah, I don't remember. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I don't remember okay. anything about it. So in my mind right now, it feels like with Shade's surprise at the fool calling Fitz a catalyst, that Shade and Shrewd had talked about, you know, that prophecy or, you know, the the whole religion or the old legend, as Verity puts it but it hadn't been pinned on Fitz yet. That's, that's my thought right now, at least as I remember it. So when Fitz and fool are on the boat to Kelsingra, fool opens to up. Kelsingra or to Claris? To Kelsingra, I okay. believe. Fit. Cause they have that boat ride to Kelsingra and from Kelsingra they go to. Oh, okay. I don't know. They stop in Kelsingra, but in that boat ride, I'm pretty sure fool opens up and talks about his past and how he got to Buckkeep. And one of the things he talks about is how when he came to the King, he was like expecting the King to use him in a not so great way. And he didn't, he took pity and listened to him and his tales and talked about how he told the King that he needed you or he needed Fitz because Fitz is the catalyst. And Hmm. so I'm pretty sure there's like this whole big thing about how he straight up just told Shrewd, this is why I'm here. I like I you have to protect Fitz. Interesting. He's my catalyst. And that that's what I need from you. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. I very vividly remember it. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, I found it very interesting. (laughs) Verity looks at Fitz consideringly here. And. Talking to Kettle still, asks, Do you think he is strong enough? My nephew August was skill-burned and never recovered. For him, I sometimes thought it a mercy. The skill was leading him down a path ill-suited to him. I think I suspected then that Galen had done something to the Coterie. But I had so much to do. Always so much to do. Okay, again with the skill-burned. Verity is using it in a different way. I am pretty sure. Yeah... August had too much skill blasted into him for him to be able to recover. It didn't kill him. Mm -hmm. It just like made his capacity for using it gone completely. Whereas Kettle can still use hers after somebody unlocks it. I don't think Verity consciously put a box around August so he could never use it again. Yeah. I mean, it also makes sense though, that Verity doesn't know the, the words that she's using because they're 200 some years apart yeah <laughs> i don't know but that also makes it seem like 
August maybe wasn't dumb or like drooling or whatever whenever they left and like maybe he was okay. We've we've talked about this before yes. that there are differing, you know, things of when he died, how he died, what state he was in when he died. Right. And I think it's kind of it's kind of across the board similar that he had reduced mental capacities. Maybe not drooling or anything like that, but I think immediately after that he was kind of out of it for a few days at least. Right. I don't know. Everything's kind of contradicting about August. <laughs> Fitz steps forward and sensing Verity kind of drifting again because he's had his converse, his concentration on this and has been very present. Fitz notices that maybe he's like faltering again, steps forward and asks, what is it you wish me to attempt? And Verity says, I wish you to attempt nothing. I wish you to do. There, that is what Chade often said to me. Chade, most of him is in the dragon now, but that is a bit I left out. I should put that in the dragon. And Kettle steps closer and says her whole piece here. Help me to free my skill and I will help you to fill the dragon. She spoke them aloud before this and yet I... I felt that only Verity truly knew what she said. At last, very reluctantly, he nodded. I see no other way, he said to himself. No way at all. Fitz is like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, how am I supposed to do a thing that I don't know what's going on? And Verity has to say, like, you know as much as we do. Kestrel's mind was burned with the skill by her own coterie to condemn her to isolation for the rest of her life. You must use what skill you have in any way you can to try to break through the scarring. I have no idea how to begin, I began, but then Kettle turned and looked at me. There was pleading in her old eyes, loss and loneliness, and skill hunger that had built to the point at which it was devouring her from within— 223 years, I thought to myself. It was a long time to be exiled from one's homeland. An impossible time to be confined to one's own body. But I will try, I amended my words. And so he does. And he takes pretty much all the rest of the afternoon, and a lot of time has passed before he stops himself and says, hey, I need something to drink, some sustenance. And nothing really has changed He's trying to recall everything he knows of Kettle, really summon her up in his mind and reach out to who she is to make a connection there, but he can't get through her walls. Right. It doesn't help that he doesn't know what he's doing. Definitely makes it harder, but he's trying. Also, you skipped over my favorite part of that exchange, and that's when Fitz is complaining that he doesn't know what to do. Uh, Ketrickin gives him a stern look, and then he adds my king to the end of his complaint. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. <laughs> That's pretty good. She has to uh, maintain the decorum here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They go back to the fire. They're brewing some tea. Verity's back to scraping on his stone throughout that whole process of Fitz trying to reach through to Kettle. And... He's reaching out with his wit sense to Kettle here. Still trying to make a connection, trying to grasp who she is. Right. 
he realizes that he doesn't know her very well and that he hasn't ever really looked past the fact that she's old. And so he wants to take he thinks maybe if he gets to know her better, if he focuses on who she is, that will help to get into her skill wall. And so he starts with the wit and he realizes that the wit sense she gives off is young, that it's someone around his age that is full of life and willing to go adventuring and ready to work. And then he looks at her and she is old. And so it's such a weird thing for Fitz to reconcile that there is someone in their youthful, there's like a youthful energy to her, probably a little bit because of her skill healing, keeping her but internally also, young. She was trapped at a certain time, just like Fitz was forged and got those memories back. She is trapped in time within her own mind and body. Right. And kind of locked away. I willed myself to see not Kettle, but Kestrel. Who had she been before she had been buried alive? My eyes met hers. Kestrel, I asked her suddenly. So I was, she said quietly, and her grief was still fresh. But she is no more, and has not been for years. When I said her name, I had almost sensed her. I felt I held the key, but did not know where the lock was. There was a nudge at the edge of my wit. I looked up, annoyed at the interruption. It was Night Eyes and the Fool. This is a very bad time in, in Fitz's mind for the fool to come. And the fool kind of says so. He's like, I tried to stay away, but I kind of had to come. Starling told me what you were doing. She told me that all that was said while I was gone. I know I should wait, that what you do is vital, but I cannot. I betrayed you, he whispered softly. I am the betrayer. And linked as they were, Fitz knows the depth of the fool's feelings. He tries to reach through to that, but he can't really grasp that. He can't reach him. His shame, guilt, and remorse stood between us and blocked him from my forgiveness. Blocked him, too, from forgiving himself. And Fitz discovers the missing piece. But it does also show that whenever a person is down on themselves. Sometimes people punish themselves more than what is necessary in a way that stops you from growing or from getting past the thing that has hurt everyone, including yourself in some way. And I think it's really interesting to see it from this perspective because I think this was how Fitz was at the beginning of the book. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And so it's a little ironic to have Fitz be like... I don't know how I'm going to get to fool and like make him see that things are okay when he does the same thing when he's upset, when something hurts him, when something doesn't go right. And he doesn't extend that own kindness to himself, which I think is a shame. But in seeing the wall and the reason from someone that he is intimately connected with, with this super strong skill bond, he realizes that's the thing stopping Kettle. It has nothing to do with anything outside of her. It is a lot of her own making. So he smiles at the fool and says, you know, you have given me the answer. You are the answer. He takes a deep breath and he's cautioning himself, like, go slowly. And then he decides, no, this is this is the time for action and says. Touch me, touch me with the skill on your fingers and see if I feel you have betrayed me. 
No, Kettle cried, aghast. But the fool was already reaching for me like a man in a dream. He took my hand in his right hand. Then he laid three silver fingertips against my upturned wrist. As I felt the cold burn of his fingers on my wrist, I reached over and grabbed Kettle's hand. Kestrel, I cried aloud. I felt the stir of her and I pulled her into us. I was the fool and the fool was me. He was the catalyst and so was I. We were two halves of a whole, sundered and come together again. For an instant I knew him in his entirety, complete and magical. And then he was pulling apart from me, laughing, a bubble inside me, separate and unknowable, yet joined to me. You do love me! I was incredulous. He had never truly believed it before. Before it was words. I always feared it was born of pity. But you are truly my friend. This is knowing. This is feeling what you feel for me. So this is the skill. For a moment he reveled in simple recognition. So this is really cute. And I really like that Fool is so happy to find the love that Fitz holds for him. And what Fitz means when he says I love you. I mean, this is unfettered access to the deepest recesses of Fitz's mind and knowing the compassion that's there. And I think that's amazing. I think that Fitz can't believe that the fool didn't believe him because Fitz can feel people's emotions. And so he can tell when people are lying about having feelings for somebody. So I'm sure to him, when somebody says that they love you, he can tell if they mean it. So he believes people when they mean it. <laughs> Whereas fool is more or less a regular human and so can't grasp that from somebody. He just has to take them for their word, which I think ultimately is a beautiful part of love is that you just have to trust that the other person loves you too, right? Like there has to be some level of trust there because you never could read anybody's mind. But in this world, what fool needs most is seeing that reassurance and he gets it from Fitz. Mm -hmm. And part of me wonders if this is why fool kind of is stuck on Fitz in some ways as they go forward and that he like does develop romantic feelings for fool or for Fitz and can't really move on from that. I wonder if that comes from Fitz being the only person that he has ever fully known and known for a fact there's like love and care and tenderness there that is nothing about pity. Yeah. He's a he's a deeply hurt person. Yeah. So I wonder how much this plays a role in their further relationship. But it is still really nice. It especially is nice that Fool gets to forgive himself over this thing that is not his fault. And they're able to relay to each other the meaning of yeah. their friendship, I guess. And abruptly another presence joins them. Ah, little brother, you find your ears at last. My kill is ever your kill, and we shall be pack forever. The fool recoiled at the friend's, the wolf's friendly onslaught. I thought he would break the circle. Then he suddenly leaned into it. This? This is Night Eyes? This mighty warrior? This great heart? How to describe that moment? I had known Night Eyes so completely for so long it shocked me to see how little the fool had known of him. Harry? That was how you saw me? Harry and drooling? Your pardon, this from the fool quite sincerely. I am honored to know you as you are. 
I had never suspected such nobility within you. Their mutual approval was almost overwhelming. And then the world settled around us. We have a task, I reminded them. They are still linked in this circle, yes. and it's great to see Night Eyes and the Fool kind of mutually join up and respect each other and be like, hey, you're pretty great. <laughs> I, yeah, and I also like that Fool does not shy away from Night Eyes. There yeah. is no removal from, oh, this is weird, like this is an animal talking to me. He finally gets it. And also probably understands more now what Fitz is talking about. Like, yeah, Night Eyes understands and he can talk to me. Like, <laughs> But it does make me wonder what the fool is like feeling to know that Night Eyes is this like great brave warrior. Like, I don't know. I'm just wondering, is this like an image in his head of Night Eyes being strong and beefy? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like big, strong warrior man body with wolf head. <laughs> All right. All right. Maybe with a crown on his head because. <laughs> no, wolves have no kings. No, but he did say he's noble. So. Wow. Okay. I, there has to be something. He, I'm I'm thinking like Hulk Hogan body. <laughs> <laughs> you can think what you want. That's not my image. Okay, brother. <laughs> brother. Night eyes is human person. Little brother. <laughs> Nida's human persona is Hulk Hogan, so. True, true. It's canon now. We've already decided that previously, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a thing. <laughs> so the fool lifts his touch from Fitz's wrist, but they're still linked together right now. It only took moments for all that to happen, and Fitz turns his eyes back to Kettle and says, Kestrel? I looked at her and tried to see her as she had once been. I do not think she even knew then of that tiny hair of skill between us. In the moment of her shock at the fool touching me, I had pressed past her guard. It was too fine a line to be called a thread, but I now knew what choked it. All this guilt and shame and remorse you carry, Kestrel, don't you see it? That is what they burned you with, and you have added to it all these years. The wall is of your own making. Take it down. Forgive yourself. Come out. Tears began to trickle down her eyes, from her eyes. It says, I can't. That is the hardest part. I can't. They burned me to punish me, but it was not enough. It would never be enough. I can never forgive myself. Do you think, this is a thought that I had as I was reading this, that part of this burning process that they did was to make her feel guiltier? I don't know. It, it's so vague that I... It's all speculation. I have no idea. Yeah. It just is really interesting because it doesn't seem like there are walls. The walls that are up, Fitz mentions, are mostly of her own making from guilt and shame. And so I wonder if they knew that she was really powerful. So the one way to keep her in is to turn that power inwards by making walls out of shame yeah. or something. So I wonder if Possible. part of it was, yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe not. Maybe just what happened over time. Because it would be really hard to kill a sibling. <laughs> yeah, your twin. Yeah, somebody who you love deeply and cared about. It doesn't seem like they had much strife before this, so. <laughs> Skill was starting to seep from her as she reached to me, trying to make me understand. She reached to clasp my hand between both of hers. Her pain flowed through that clasp to me. Who could forgive you then? I found myself asking. 
Gull. My sister Gull. The name was torn from her, and I sensed she had refused to think of it, let alone utter it, for years. Her sister, not just her coterie mate, but her sister, and she had killed her in a fury when she found her with Stanchion, the leader of the coterie? Yes, she whispered, though no words were needed between us now. I was past the burn wall. Strong, handsome Stanchion, making love to him body and skill and experience of oneness like no other. But then she had come upon them, him and Gull, together, and she had... He should have known better, I cried out indignantly. You were sisters and members of his own coterie. How could he have done that to you? How could he? Gull, she cried out loud, and for an instant I saw her. She was behind a second wall. Both of them were. Kestrel and Gull. Two little girls running barefoot down a sandy shore, just out of reach of the icy waves licking up the sand. Two little girls, as like as apple pips, their father's joy, twins, racing to meet the little boat coming into shore, hurrying to see what Papa had caught in his nets today. I smelled the salt wind, the iodine of the tangled, squidgy kelp as they dashed through its squealing. Two little girls, Gull and Kestrel, locked and hidden behind a wall inside her. But I could see them even if she could not. I see her, I know her, and she knew you, through and through, Lightning and thunder, your mother called you, for while your temper flashed and was gone, Gull could carry a grudge for weeks. But not against you, Kestrel. Never against you, and not for years. She loved you, more than either of you loved Stanchion, as you loved her. And she would have forgiven you. She would have never wished this on you. I don't know. Yes, you do. Look at her. Look at you. Forgive yourself and let the part of her within you live again. Let yourself live again. She is within me? Most certainly. I see her. I feel her. It must be so. What do you feel? Cautiously. Only love. See for yourself. And he takes her within her own memories. It's such an interesting thing that... Kettle has locked those old memories away from herself as well, which created this second layer of sealing herself in. Yes, Fitz got past her to that skill, right? The the first burn walls that, right. that we've been talking about, that the coterie did. And she can skill a little bit, but then there's that deep-seated, locked-off portion where she still hasn't forgiven herself. She's just linked through Fitz and the skill right now. She's not actually skilling Right. And, and that shame and that guilt is what's blocking the rest of her healing. And Fitz kind of takes her down into that stuff that she's locked away and forgotten purposefully through her guilt. Right. Well, because it would make it easier to stay upset, I guess, at yourself. Yeah. I just feel like I don't want to call it self-pitying because I think it's more than that. But I think that's a good like basis of what I'm trying to say, where there's like a certain level of self-pitying that is being done here that the only way to maintain is to not remember the love of that your sister had for you mm -hmm. as Kestrel. And I think that by taking away all the memories of her, obviously she knows she loves her sister. She knows that they were very close, but I think 
getting rid of the memory of her sister was an easier way to cope because she doesn't deserve, she doesn't feel as though she deserves the memory, the happy memories after what she has done. And it's so sad because it seems as though it wasn't on purpose. Like, I don't believe Kestrel meant to kill her sister. I mean, I know she was angry and she acted out of rage, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think you can just like murder someone. I don't know. I think it, I think that she's very strong and that she's very angry and felt more betrayed by her sister in the moment because otherwise, why wouldn't she have killed Stanchion too? Like, I don't know. I just, I think it was an accident and she's not letting herself under be understanding of that. And also the Stanchion guy, what a jerk. Like, True. come on. He had to have Handsome, two sisters. strong Stanchion. Yeah, not right. It is not right that he did that to sisters. And probably everybody else in the co- uh, the Coterie. Who knows? But <laughs> I lo- You're sitting here. Oh, he did it to everyone. Well, Such a jerk. If he wouldn't stop at sisters, who knows? Also. Maybe at a certain type. They were twins. I, uh, yeah, I guess. They looked the same, you know? True. <laughs> I, I hate that her sister did that, too, though, because it's like, yeah, really. Well, but maybe like her sister didn't know either. I guess I guess she could have she could have thought that she was the only one. I don't know. I guess if you ever got their name wrong, you'd be like, sorry, you just look so much like your sister. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Ew. <laughs> so Kettle here, Kestrel, is diving into her old memories. And she says, Papa said we were one soul in two bodies. And Fitz replies, open then and let her out. Let both of you out to live. And he just falls silent, waiting. Because Kestrel's in a part of her memories she had denied for longer than other folk lived. A place of fresh wind and girlish laughter. And a sister so like yourself, you scarcely needed to speak to one another. The skill had been between them from the moment they were born. I see what I must do now. I felt her overwhelming surge of joy and determination. I must let her out. I must put her into the dragon. She will live forever in the dragon, just as we planned it. The two of us, together again. Kettle stood up, letting go of my hands so suddenly that I cried out at the shock. I found myself back in my body. I felt I had fallen there from a great, very great distance. The fool and night eyes were still near me, but no longer a part of the circle. I could scarcely feel them for all else I felt. Skill, racing through me like a riptide. Skill, emanating from kettle like heat from a smith's furnace. She glowed with it. She wrung her hands, smiled at the straightened fingers. You should go and rest now, Fitz, she told me gently. Go on, go to sleep. A gentle suggestion. She did not know her own skill strength. I lay back and knew no more. I think she knew her skill strength. <laughs> this guy's kind of annoying. Thanks, Fitz, but like you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you need to rest because you're not doing well, but okay. <laughs> if you were more trained, you know. <laughs> no, but she she has a determination now. She has a resolution and has a goal to help preserve her sister's memory and put her forever into the dragon so they can be together finally. Right. It's super nice to get another good forgiveness story right away back to back to have Kestrel be able to forgive herself and realize that she can keep her sister alive in some way. I don't know. I like that. 
I think it's nice. Yeah. Also, I love that the first thing she does with the skill is to make her fingers not or as knobby anymore. She doesn't have Curled arthritis. Up in pain, yeah. Yeah. Which to be fair, probably hurt really bad and I would do too, but I know that she's doing it so she can better help carve the dragon. It's not yep. just like aesthetics or something. <laughs> <laughs> So Fitz wakes up and it's full dark then and the fool is kind of by him at that point and he says, you know, last time I saw you sleep like that I thought you were going to die because you were, <laughs> we were pulling an arrow out of you. <laughs> yeah, we were fight, you were fighting off infection. Fitz asks the fool if he feels as tired as he does and the fool says, no, I feel healed. I think it is much as the false coterie has fled my body as knowing that you do not hate me and the wolf. Now he is a wonder. Almost. I can still sense him. Right. I guess we didn't say in this retelling, but Fitz had been taking strength from Fool and Night Eyes. Yep. Just gradually and very slowly yeah. and to not, do that with, with Kettle. Yeah. He was trying to be careful, but that is something. That's why he's asking if Fool is tired here. Mm -hmm. And also very interesting because how did he take anything from Night Eyes? But whatever. I don't know how it works. Well, it's explained, I think, a couple times that every being has the capacity to skill. You know, there there is that well there. Whether people can actually use it or not is a different thing. Right. And how deep that well is right. is a different thing as well. Night Eyes is pretty much sleeping right now. <laughs> he just says, I'm sleepy. <laughs> and because the fool is reaching out or trying to reach out to Night Eyes with that saying that he can almost still feel him. And it's unnerving to Fitz that he doesn't have the strength, the fool doesn't have the strength to skill or, you know, wit quest, but he's trying all the same. And Night Eyes kind of just wags his tail once and like, I'm sleepy. <laughs> and Fitz is like, okay, then, then rest, you're good. And Fitz wants to know what happened. What's mm -hmm. going on? The stones are still ringing. Yes. Clearly work is being done and there's... A fire up there now so something happened it's dark normally they would have stopped and F fool lets him know that as soon as fitz passed out <laughs> kettle went up to the stone dragon and as you had mentioned before joined with verity it did something to verity as fool describes it i know not what but ketrickin said it left them both weeping and shaking then Verity did something to Kettle, and they both began to laugh and laugh and to shout and to cry out that it would work. So they they obviously, like, she healed him of the the killing of somebody else with the skill. Mm -hmm. They were both weeping. And then I think they linked together as, like, a coterie. Right. And that made them laugh and say, yeah, this is actually going to work. I do also think it's interesting because technically Verity has killed somebody before uh, Galen. Was, no, Galen is the one he killed. Who was the person he killed last? Carid? Yes. So he's Carid was people. with the skill remotely. Galen was in the same room and he just kind of like drained the strength out of him. Right. It wasn't with the skill. It wasn't like just mind to mind. It was reversing like the pull of of strength. I don't know, because Galen, like, died immediately, right? Yeah, he pulled it all all the strength out immediately and used it to But that go doesn't count? The... That doesn't count as killing? I don't think so. Not, yeah. not what they're saying, because that's a different sort of, like, 
that's just like not knowing when to stop or like choosing not to stop to protect somebody that you're giving taking strength from right the other one is remote like connecting with their mind farther away and then doing something to them with the skill that their body stops functioning i guess i don't know it could be argued that he did something to the skill to make galen's body stop functioning but Uh, i see him as different okay because it feels like anybody could do the draining of the skill to kill somebody right literally anybody (laughs) yeah who is skilled yeah but any well i guess i don't know i don't know i don't know how it works i just think it's interesting according to kettle it takes a lot of skill or a lot of strength to kill somebody with the skill the other way so obviously there's some sort of difference in canon i guess it just doesn't make sense to me the fool also mentions that Ketrakin is ridden with jealousy. He says, I think her heart eats itself hollow with jealousy, but she will not leave. Because Ketrakin is just sitting silent up there as a shadow and watching them mournfully. They'll not let her help. And Fitz came, or the fool left then and came down to find him, Fitz, sleeping and kind of sat there and did chores if they ask for, you know, food and water or whatever else, waiting for him to wake up. Fitz asks what makes Ketrakin sad, and the, the fool replies, she wishes she were Kettle, in a tone that said any moron would have known that. <laughs> Which, yes, that is true. Yeah, like, come on, Fitz. <laughs> but not our moron, our beloved moron. <laughs> How would you feel, he says, to have come this long and weary way, only to have your spouse choose another to help him in his work? He and Kettle chatter back and forth like magpies, all sorts of inconsequential talk. They work and chip, or sometimes Verity just stands still, his hands pressed to the dragon, and he tells her of his mother's cat, his pit, and of a time that grew in the garden of the tower. And all the while, Kettle speaks to him with no break of Gull who did this and Gull who did that and all she and Gull did together. I thought that they would cease when the sun went down, but that was the only time that Verity seemed to recall Ketrakin was alive. He asked her to bring firewood and make fires for light. Oh, and I think he has allowed her to sharpen a chisel or two for them. And Starling, he says, is working on a song about Verity's dragon. I think she has given up on you and me ever doing anything of note. Fitz just kind of has to smile to himself and say, well, she's never there when I do anything of note because that was better than any war or battle I could have fought. We did something great today to free Kettle. Right. And I think that's great that Fitz recognizes that just because this only helped one person, that doesn't mean it wasn't important. Right. Yeah. I really like that. I like that he's congratulating himself on this and that very rare for him to say, yeah. like, I did a great job. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is a big thing. Yeah. I I like that he can see that. And as he is, is talking about what Starling had missed out on, he realizes that Starling's harp sounds a little mellower than he recalled. And he looks at the fool and fool just kind of like wiggles his finger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fool explains that he's been experimenting with the limits of what he can do now with his skilled hands. 
he says that he's always been good at wood carving because he can visualize. I, I want to, yeah, I want to bring this up specifically what he says, because you had this conversation before or brought up this topic before. Yes. It says, I have always been able to look at wood and see what I wish to call forth. These, again, he wiggled his fingers at, at me, make it so much easier. Which was a, a conversation we were having, I think, last episode about yeah. finding a block of stone and just revealing what was underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess in this, though, Fool specifically says what I want to draw forth. So maybe it is all about what you personally feel. Maybe some maybe some stone just resonates better with some people. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like you're correct in that the skill definitely amplifies that feeling like it. Mm-hmm. It helps create the this is perfect for this like it shapes your vision it directs you to what's best for bringing forth something right but some people just have the talent of this is what i can visualize out of this and the skill enhance that for the fool right yeah no he he also mentions that his puppets are going to be things of legend if he survives (laughs) fitz of course pleads with him to be cautious and the fool says me i have no caution within me I cannot be what I am not. Where are you going? Up to see the dragon, I replied. If Kettle can work on it, so can I. I may not be as strongly skilled, but I've been linked with Verity for far longer. I remember first reading through this book and being like, yeah, Fitz, you go and help. That's great. (laughs) And then the next chapters come, I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, yikes. Because I think the next chapter is... At least the one scene in it is when he gets really angry up there and Verity kind of draws his anger and puts it into the dragon. Right. And he's kind of like left feeling hollow and Verity's like, nah, you can't help either. Like, go away. <laughs> right. I don't know. It's. Yeah, I I think I was also excited to have him help, but I realized like probably he can't just based off of what's happening to Verity. Like clearly that is the price to pay. I didn't know Verity was going to like fully go into the dragon. I just assumed that the price is that you become a forged one <laughs> or something afterwards. I don't know. But were you thinking that all of the forged ones were like creating dragons and stuff? Did you like link that together during your read? I definitely linked them together, but I don't think I thought they were making a dragon. I think I was thinking that they were just like putting into like because Verity's physically carving this too. Like he's not just touching it and it's turning into a dragon. So I guess in my mind I was like, oh, they're just making him touch the stone because they know that the stone makes them become inhuman. I don't know how they figured it out, but like, right. yeah. So I was just assuming there's like a big block of stone, which I think also there is when Fitz has that vision of the ghost ship he sees a block of stone doesn't he on the ship or something like in this trilogy yeah i don't remember when he's like rowing and he sees the boat i don't remember that Mm. description it could be there but i i I figured we would have called that out and i'd have more of a a bigger deal i don't know maybe that's just what i've envisioned because i know it's there somewhere (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us this week yeah, this is a Fitz happy chapter, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. At least he's feeling very accomplished. And Patted himself on the back. He mm-hmm. had a good time with his friend. I don't know. He got mad during the middle of it, but then his resolution actually helped things, I yeah. guess. 
eventually. <laughs> he wasn't super graceful about how he went about it, but that wouldn't be Fitz then. Right, right. But yeah, I think he's I think he's pretty happy. I can agree with that. Yeah. So if you have anything to say about Fitz being happy, please let us know. Is fitzhappy at gmail.com or can message us on any of our social medias. All of our links are on our website. It is fitzhappy.com. And if you'd like to share us with any of your friends or family members who have read this series as well, please do. Love hearing new voices and love to get the uh, conversations rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. See you next week. Bye.